All right. There's actually a lot more people here than I thought that there would be, and that makes my heart glad. So I want to pray for us in a moment. We're going to jump into um, a passage, and yeah, we, we changed gears. We're going a little bit different direction than we were planned on going today, than we planned on going today. I hadn't planned on preaching. You'll see that one of the rhythms that we actually have in the church is normally in January. We take a little bit of a reprieve. We're going to hear from hopefully John Kuna every year as long as he's able to speak for a couple of weeks. We'll do our anniversary. And then I do a lot of planning, like I've been working on some leadership training for this year. And it's given me like some space um, to be able to just work on things and meet with people in a way that I normally don't get to. Um, however, I'm preaching this morning. The Lord's given me a message and it kind of came at the last minute. So we'll, we'll work our way through that. So how many people were here, not last week, because last week was an anniversary Sunday. We listened to testimonies, but the week before when we set up the tables. So if you were here that week. Okay, so that's a lot of what, and I know Sam did a great job of explaining this. Um, I was out, actually had COVID, so I wasn't able to be here that Sunday. Um, but that's what sermon prep looks like. So we're not going to be starting sermon prep tomorrow, but the following Monday at four o'clock at the coffee company upstairs, Anybody that wants to come in, and even if you can't come like every week, whenever you are able to come, we're going to come in and we're going to do that same thing. We're going to give you a piece of paper. This is the word of God that we're going to be looking at in two weeks. And we take our time and we just work through that passage and then we discuss it. It really is a glorious hour. Okay, so two weeks ago, the passage was, and I'm going to quote this from the NIVs, and I know you probably looked at the ESV, but it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you tra face trials of many kinds. The, the, the testing of your faith, the perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay, that was your passage. So when you all talked about that, I'm curious, like, do you remember, like, what did you hear? What were the takeaways from the body? Because we're going to continue that theme this morning. You can just popcorn the thought out there. What did you hear? What did y'all discuss? Anyone? What is that? The word All. Considered it all joy, uh, all tribulations, okay, trials. What else? We will face trials. We will face trials. It's going to happen, okay. What else? If you ask for yeah. Yeah, very good. So if you're lacking wisdom, the trials uh, enable you to ask for wisdom, and then you, that wisdom can help you to be complete in the way that you were not complete, that you were incomplete before. What else? Yeah, perseverance helps you to, be, um, to become mature. You have to go through stuff. You know, you just have to go through stuff before you learn anything, you know, before things make sense to you. So the this, this same theme, we won't continue with the popcorn responses, but this same theme of trials and tribulations, it's going to continue this morning. And then as we jump into first Peter, we're going to see a lot of it. Um, so we're going to be talking about trials and tribulations and, you know, how do we handle that uh, moving forward? But this morning, I want you to, and I'm going to pray for us, but go ahead and get your Bibles your pen's ready, because we're going to work our way through a passage. I don't think it's going to be a lengthy message this morning, but it's very succinct. I feel like that the Lord has a message for us this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So think about this passage as being the other side of the coin of what you looked at two weeks ago in James 1, 2 through 4. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we are going to look at verses 3 through 11. Okay, and before we do so and before I pray, so raise your hand. 
How many of you all have ever gone through something in your life, a trial, a tribulation, a specific situation, and it was really hard, and at the time you didn't enjoy it at all, but later on, the Lord brought somebody into your life who was going through something very similar, and you were able to minister to them. Has that happened to you before? Okay, it's good that you see that, because we're going to see why that happens this morning. That is in the goodness and the providence of Almighty God. Um, that you have been um, allowed to experience something that was hard to turn around and help someone else. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this amazing passage. Lord, I thank you for uh, bringing it back to me and reminding me of these truths, Father. Lord, as we always pray, it's the word of God that is central this morning. It's the message of the gospel. It is it's Christ victorious on his throne. That is what we preach. That is who we preach this morning. And I pray that anything else or anyone else would just go to the wayside and fall to the ground. Lord, change us this morning. Equip us this morning uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit by the illumination of the word of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's look at this passage together. And again, if you've got your Bibles out and a pen and paper, it's kind of like sermon print. Man, I would just circle some words as you're working your way through this. Okay, let me read it um, to us. I'm going to read 3 through 11. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. It's a lengthy passage. We're going to work our way through it. I'm going to be short with each one of these, but there are several truths that I'm going to be giving you as we work our way through it. But the first thing I want you to notice is go back to the first verse. He is called who? He is called the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Don't miss that. Hang on to that with both hands. He is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And the reason I want you to hold on to that with both hands is because trials and tribulations and death and cancer and car accidents and just all of these things are hard. There's no easy answers for them. And sometimes really bad things happen to really good people, young people, you know, just kids or, you know, family members, people that we love and it hurts. And, and, and sometimes people will look at you, the Christian, and say, why would a loving God allow that to happen? That makes no sense. 
And sometimes in your heart, even though you would never utter that out loud, you would say, why, oh God, would you allow this to happen? Why would you allow a seven-year-old child to die or have cancer or whatever? And it doesn't make sense. And we don't know all these things and we don't have the answers. And that's why verses like this one need to be a default for us. They need to be something that we pull from, that we pull it back and say, I don't know the answer to that, but here's what I do know. He is the father of mercies and he is the God of all comfort. I pull out from 1 Corinthians 13 that God is love. God is just. God is faithful. God is good. God is a good father and he's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So we begin there by understanding that he really is a good God. Just because trials and tribulations come our way and bad things happen, Jesus said that they would happen. You referred to it a moment ago. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. To be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And I'm going to be with you as you go through these trials and these tribulations. I'm going to be with you. I am the answer to pain. I am the answer to cancer. I am the answer to COVID. I am the answer to everything that everybody's looking for and seeking for in this life. And for an answer for why all of this is because sin has come into this world and sin brought tragedy and it brought sickness and it brought disease. It brought conflict. And Jesus and his gospel is the answer to that. And the one that we turn to is the father of mercies, and he's the God of all comfort. We have to remember that or we'll forget as we work through trials and tribulations ourselves. We don't have to have the answer. We don't have to know why. We may never know why, but he's still good. But he's still God and he's still merciful. And look at the passage. It says that he comforts us. And here's that word all again. I think, Mary, you said it a moment ago when we were looking at James 1, 2 through 4. Here's that word all. He comforts us in all our affliction. All our affliction. Nothing is too small. Sometimes we fail to understand that this God loves us and he loves us as a father and he wants to hear the little stuff as well. When my kid comes home and I'm like, how was school today? Fine. What did you learn? Nothing. What did you do? Nothing. You know, it's like, ah, what kind of question can I ask that I get a better response than that? And I feel like sometimes it's the same way with the Lord. We go to him in prayer and it's like, I don't want to bore him with those details. You know, my uh, afflictions are petty. Does the Lord really want to hear that? Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. It says, cast all your anxieties upon him because he really does care for you. There's that word all. Comforts us in all of our afflictions. Cast all your anxieties upon him. We're back to this relational component in the gospel. We've talked about it a lot. We talked about it a lot when we worked our way through Ephesians. The gospel is relational. At the very beginning, it's relational. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have this relationship that existed and exists for all eternity. And now because of Christ, we are able to have a relationship with this God who loves us immensely. And he wants us to pour out all of our anxieties to him, to be continually talking to him. It's not just at certain points of the day, but to continue to have this conversation with him and to share all of our anxieties because he really does care for us. 
and the purpose of casting our anxieties and the purpose of these, of these afflictions, it's not all just for us. Okay, look at verse number four. Go back to it. It says that he comforts us in all of our afflictions. Okay, now notice this. Notice the next two words. You see them? It says, so that. Do you see that? You got to mark that in your Bibles. So that, so that what? We may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions. So that, so that we can help other people. God comforts us. God helps us through trials and tribulations. God proves himself to be faithful. He enables us to endure sufferings so that we can comfort other people who go through stuff as well. Okay? Also, notice in verse number five, he says, what does it say? Let me read this to you. It says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so that through Christ we may be able to share abundantly in any comfort too. Okay? In any, um, the word there, any, you know, in any affliction. Where does it say that? In any affliction. Uh, there it is. It's in verse number four. Who are in any affliction. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing. You know, you don't have to have had a miscarriage to be able to help someone who has a miscarriage. That's not necessarily the thing that's going to connect you to them. It's the fact that in a moment of despair, in a moment of brokenness, in a moment of uncertainty, you met God. And you saw him as the father of compassion, as the God of all comfort. And because you've experienced that, you can take that example, you can take that experience and you can turn around and comfort other people with whatever, with any affliction that they may be going through. Now, does it help if you've gone through the same thing? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely it does. But if you think, who am I to be speaking into this person's life because I haven't gone through this exact thing, then you're missing what this passage is saying. You can help them with any affliction if you know God and if you've experienced the comfort of God, if you've experienced the Father of mercies, if you have met him in that moment, then you can give hope to someone else. I'm gonna hit six truths today, and I'll hit these quickly, and they're pretty wordy, so I don't know if you'll write them all down, but just hear them, if nothing else. Truth number one is this. You can't give away that which you don't truly know or you haven't truly experienced. You can't give it away if you don't know it or if you haven't experienced it. If your words about the comfort of God and the love of God is nothing but doctrine that you've heard of, but you haven't experienced it, it's going to be harder to give that away. If you understand the total depravity of man, if you understand how deep and dark your heart is, then like Paul, you can say, I am the chief of all sinners. And if you understand that, if you understand that brokenness that's there, then you really understand what it means when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The power and the weight of all of my sins being forgiven if you get that connection and you realize I am broken, I am hopeless, I am helpless, I am in despair. And Jesus looks at me and says, because of the cross, all of your sins are forgiven. If you experience that and if you believe that, 
then it's going to be easier for you to pivot towards someone else and to share the gospel with them and give to them this hope that comes through the cross, that comes through the gospel, because you've experienced forgiveness. You understand that you are the chief of all sinners and that this Jesus has given himself for your sins and for your brokenness. And if you believe that, and if that's transformed your life, you're going to be able to give it away with conviction, with passion, with all of the energy and all the truth that you can muster up. You can give it away because it's something that's just seared into your heart and into your mind. It's changed you. And it's the same way here with afflictions. If you've never been comforted by the Father, if you've cried out to everyone else and to everything else, and if you've gone to other things to try to get your way through this affliction, but you didn't cry out to the Father, and if he wasn't the one that gave you hope and gave you strength and gave you courage through it, then you're not going to be able to turn around to someone else and give that hope to them because you haven't experienced yourself. That's the first truth. The second truth that I see in this passage is that it's not all about me and it's not all about you. That sounds terrible, especially as Americans. We're like, wait, what? I thought it was all about me. I thought it was all about us. But we see and look at it, look at it with me so that you're not just hearing me. Look at verses five and six. It says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And if we are afflicted, now are you tracking with me? Look at this. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Do you see that? I think that if my theology is correct and if I'm interpreting this passage correctly, the Lord is going to, and I've already said this before, he's going to allow me to experience pain, tribulation, affliction, so that I will be able to give this comfort, this salvation, this hope to someone else. I'm circular. I'm saying the same thing in different ways, but this passage is saying it's not all about you. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of struggle and real pain, I'm crying out, God, where are you? Help me through this. If you would just take this pain away or take this thorn away, then I would be so much better. I would be able to minister to people. I would be able to have energy for this week or whatever. And sometimes in God's holy providence, he's looking at me saying, you don't understand. If you don't go through this thing well, you're not going to be able to help Johnny in six months or Tanya next week or whomever that it might be that the Lord's going to put in your path so that you can bring comfort and hope to them. It's about others. It's about the kingdom. I've been saying this over and over over the past month, and I've probably even said it from here, but I'm, I'm reminded of John the Baptist. His purpose was to point people to Jesus. That was it. That was his purpose. And once Christ comes, he baptizes Christ, he takes his disciples and sends them to Jesus. And the next thing you know, he's in jail, he gets his head cut off and his life's over. That was it. End of story. You know, he's in prison. He's, you know, this is John the Baptist, and he's like, is he the one or is there another one that's going to come? Even John the Baptist had these doubts and he didn't understand that the Lord and his providence is saying, you did exactly what I called you to do. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and it's about his gospel. Your time is actually done. I'm bringing you home. That's a hard pill for us Americans to swallow. 
right? It's not about us. It's about the kingdom and it's about others. Okay, let's look at verse number eight again. Verse number eight, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Okay, we're going to look at the latter part of that verse in a moment, but look at the first part of it. They are in Asia. They are on a missionary journey. Paul is sharing the gospel and he is planting churches. He is squarely in the will of God. Yet, in the middle of that, he thought that it was all coming to an end. He despaired even of life. So just because we're following the Lord and just because we're serving him well and we're sharing the gospel, we're in the word, we're in, we're, we're in a season of, of prayer, we're confessing our sins quickly, that doesn't mean that we are immune from trials and tribulations and afflictions. Sometimes we think, oh, well, who sinned? Think John chapter 9 with the man that was you know, born blind. You know, they look at the parents are like, who sinned? You know, was it him or was it his parents? Was it you all? Are you the ones that sinned that this guy was born blind? And the Lord says, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. It's not because you're not in the will of God that afflictions are going to come your way. It's so that Christ would be manifested, that he would be made real, that he would be the hero of the story. And sometimes that's hard for us to see. Why? Truth number three, when we are weak, you know this when I'm borrowing from 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse number eight, when we are weak, he is strong. His power is perfected in our weaknesses. When we are broken, when we are helpless, when we don't have the answer, when we don't have the energy, when we are weak, he is strong. This is a universal Christian truth. God's power is made perfect when we are weak. Do you see that? God's power is made perfect when we are weak. Paul says, Lord, please take this thorn from me. Please. And he asked the Lord three times. And the Lord says, I can't. I could, but I won't. Because my power is perfected in your weaknesses. You have to rely upon me because of this thorn, whatever that it might be. And some of us have a thorn. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think I have a thorn. Won't go into those details. You probably have your own thorn. But what is it that keeps you humble before the Lord? Whatever that is, is a gift. And it's not a burden. Okay, verse number eight again. The latter part, utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired even of life. He thought it was the end. For others, he thought it was the end for them. Despaired even of life. But this happened following up with what I just said. It says, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now look at this next part. Look at verse number nine. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves. So we're no longer relying on ourselves. But on who? But on God who raises the dead. Now we have to rely upon the Lord. 
Indeed, in our hearts, we felt a sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Truth number four is this. I love this one. It says, any time that we're put in a place where we're utterly dependent upon God and not ourselves, that is a good place to be. Any time that you're put in a place where you are utterly, utterly dependent upon the Lord and you have nothing to give, then that is a good place to be. Reliant upon Almighty God. We see it all throughout Scripture and we see it all throughout our lives. We're closest to the Lord sometimes when we're desperate. We're closest to the Lord when we're hurting. We're closest to the Lord when we're going through trials and afflictions because we have nothing to give. We've exhausted all of our wisdom, all of our strength, anything that we had in this flesh, and we're dependent upon the Lord completely. And that's a great place to be because then Christ can live through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he can minister to other people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Any time that we're dependent upon him, that is a glorious thing. Let's continue. Verse number 10 says, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And the reason that truth number four is true is because of what truth number five says. And it is this. It is God and God alone who is your hope. And it is God and God alone who is my hope. That sounds very elementary, and it is. But at the end of the day, we rely upon God and God alone. And it is God and God alone that is your hope for trials, tribulations, sufferings, and pains. And it is God and God alone who is my hope. When I look at my world, and probably when you look at your world, I know many people who are dealing with affliction right now. Some really hard things that people are going through. People that I love are hurting. Some people that I love are, are fighting for their lives. Other people are fighting for their sanity or their marriage or their love of ministry or, or whatever. And we prayed earlier you know, for people silently that you know that are going through afflictions. Many of us may not be suffering right now, but we will. This will be a year that it'll come. One of the NFL coaches, um, it was actually Jeff Fisher, Fisher, former coach, he was quoting someone and he says, here's the thing about NFL coaches, they're either um, getting fired now or they're gonna get fired in the future, it's one or the other. Because if you're an NFL coach, you will get fired at some point in time. Right? It's kind of the same way with trials and tribulations and afflictions. You're either going through a trial or tribulation or affliction right now, or you will in the future. This may not be your season, but it will come. But for some people, it's not you right now and it's other people. This is James 1, 2 through 4, two weeks ago. This is First Peter casting all our anxiety upon him because we go through these trials and these tribulations and we have to persevere through them so that we will be mature and complete and so that he will re be revealed to us as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That he alone will be our hope and help us through these things. Truth number six is this. 
as the passage says, he is our hope because he alone is God. This is our last truth. And it says this, if he is powerful enough to raise the dead, he can help us through whatever we're going through. Probably about a month ago, I said everything boils down to a few simple questions. Do you believe that there is a God? Do you believe that he is good? And do you trust him? That may be an oversimplification, but I go to those three questions often. Do we believe that there's a God? Do we believe that he is good? And do we trust him? In this passage, it says that he is able to rate. This is the God, verse number nine. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, comma, which God who raises the dead. It's God. This is Almighty God. This is a creator God that we're talking about. If he's able to raise the dead, he's able to help you through whatever it is that you're going through or whatever your friend is that they are going through. He is God. I'm going to close this morning with a couple of passages I'm going to give to you. And just as I encourage you to put verse number three in your back pocket, take it with you, I encourage you to highlight these passages and, and go to them often. The first one is this. It's Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. It says this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, believing that he is God, believing that he is good, believing that he exists, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Just as, as he is the God and father of mercies, the, you know, the, the God of all comfort, he is the God of hope. There's always hope because this God is able to raise the dead and he can help me through whatever I'm going through. Another one of my favorite passages, and I, I quoted the first verse of it earlier in our prayer, is this. It's Psalm 121. Just listen to these words. Go to it. Read it. Meditate on it. Mark it up. Look at the number of times that the word keeper, how he is your keeper, is listed in this passage. I'll read it to you. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I quote it often. It's good that we quote it often. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? From God, the one who made the heavens and the earth. The God of all hope, the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the one who is good, the one who is the great I am. He's my hope. He's my hope. 
And if he's not my hope when I go through these trials and tribulations, and I'm on my own, then guess what? James 1, 2, 3, 4, you must persevere through these things. You'll continue to see these same things over and over and over until you finally understand, oh, maybe the Lord's trying to teach me something here and show me something. Maybe I need to cry out and experience the comfort of God. And then maybe the Lord's going to use that to help someone else at some point in time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's our truth for today. Let's spend a minute in prayer. Father, as we enter into um, the end of our service and we're going to break bread in a moment and we're going to take a communion and be reminded of the, your death and your sacrifice for us, Lord, but before then, I pray that you would stir our hearts. Lord, just remind us of who you are and that we lift up our eyes to the hills, to the maker of heaven and earth, to the one who raises the dead. Lord, stir, stir our hearts, challenge us, however you choose to. Just talk to the Lord for a moment and hear from him.